Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. All right, I hope you got a worksheet on uh, complimentary Christians. If you didn't raise your hand, Jeremy will get you one. Uh, plus, you'll need a pencil. One thing I do not like about sound systems is I'm the kind of teacher that likes to interact with the class. So they get to hear me, but they can't hear you. But I'm going to interact anyway, okay? We're going to start out in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 18. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 18. Paul here writing to the church of Philippi is really complimenting them. He's uh, bragging about all that he has, but he's also uh, proud of the church people. He says in verse 18 of chapter 4, he says, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. In other words, this church had sent him either a love offering or food supplies or his parchments or something, but whatever they sent to him, he was happy to get that. And along with that, he says, you have produced an odor of a sweet smell. You have produced a sacrifice acceptable. And what you are doing is well-pleasing to God. Now, I added a few words there, but you know what's in the text. He says, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. And uh, tonight we want to talk about how we can be complimentary Christians live in such a way as these people in Philippi lived, they caused a smile to come across Paul's face when he thought about them. You have somebody that when you think about it, you just start smiling because they just have that kind of a disposition. You like to be around those kind of people. I do. So we're going to look tonight at some ways that we can be complimentary in our manners and in our presentation of ourselves and just in our general uh, behavior as Christians. First of all, we're going to see in Roman numeral one that a complimentary Christian is somebody that is confident, confident. And then we'll give you the sub points a little later. Roman numeral two, a complimentary Christian is somebody that is correct. And then Roman numeral three, a complimentary Christian is somebody that is con content. They're content. They're confident, they're correct, they're right, and they're content. And that's what we will look at tonight. I'm going to pray in just a minute, and while I'm praying, I want you to put your thinking caps on. And I want at least three or four of you to tell me about a complimentary gift. You know the quiz up on top, just one question. But I want three of you to tell me the last complimentary gift you got from a business or from a relative or from someplace. And uh, did that complimentary gift cause you to go back to that doctor or to that place of service or to that restaurant? So be thinking of that as I pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word. And Lord, all of us certainly want to be complimentary Christians because we know what the opposite is. The opposite is an odor that is not sweet. And the opposite is a sacrifice that is not acceptable. And the opposite is a, a, a personality that's not pleasing to God. 
And so, Lord, we pray tonight we'll be able to see from your word how important it is to have a complimentary kind of a testimony. Help us by your Holy Spirit's powers. Only you can. We'll thank you for the help you give. In Christ's name, amen. Now, I told Pastor Yoder when I first got here, I really enjoy preaching in the morning because I'm wide awake, and so is everybody else. And I said, about 4 o'clock, I start to wind down. <laughs> and so uh, I don't have quite as much fun preaching in the evening, but it's still important. And you have to preach in the evening because a lot of times people have day jobs and there's nobody here uh, during the day. So we got to preach, preach in the evening. But uh, bear with me as we try to get through this, okay? Uh, what are... Uh, what are your favorite complimentary gifts? Okay. Anybody want to tell me? Well, Jeremy, get some notes to the folks that just came in. Oh, did I hear one? A complimentary gift. How many of you have ever, have, have ever gone to motels and if you spend three nights in a motel, they give you a complimentary fourth night? How many have had that happen? Just me? That's kind of nice, isn't it? Especially if it's a five-star motel and it's really really nice and you get bacon with breakfast that's really good that's a compliment getting bacon with breakfast I get bacon about once every six months and if the doctor found out about that I'd have to stop that too Jeremy you got a Yeti cooler really from buying something sorta okay it was a tip on the end of your purchase anybody else remember a complimentary Gift? Yes. Box of fruit. Was it kind of an alms gift then? You never knew who you got it from? Somebody complimented you and it was a stranger. Okay. All right. Somebody sent us a complimentary meal ticket for Chevy's. I'd never been to Chevy's before. I wasn't really a lover of Mexican food. <clears throat> but I figured any restaurant with the name Chevy has to have good food, right? And it was very good. And because it was very, very good, I've gone back there several times. Um, there are some motels, not many, but there are some motels across the country that take one of their rooms and they use it as a profits chamber. Uh, the Super 8 up in Grand Forks has a profits chamber. So if I'm going through Grand Forks, I can call the Super 8 and say, is your profits chamber available? And they'll say, it sure is. And it's a complimentary room. No charge for preachers. That's nice. I try to go through Grand Forks on the way to church tonight, okay? <laughs> complimentary things cause people to come back. And if we're complimentary in our demeanor, people will come back. I really believe that. Um, Pastor Yoder and I are trying diligently to get the people that are 30 percenters up to 60 percenters, getting the people that are 60 percenters up to 80 percenters, but at the same time we realize that we will never have a church full of 100 percenters, but we, we would like to see more growth in the Wednesday night and the Sunday night crowd, and this is one of the ways we can do it. We can be complimentary towards those who make the extra effort to be here. So I'm not mad at you, I'm just saying that you can encourage others 
by going home and telling them, man, you should have been there Wednesday night. Forsberg had a firecracker of a message. It was just dynamite. Say something, something complimentary about Wednesday night. And uh, that might bug them enough to want to come and see what's going on. Let's see what we can learn from our notes tonight on being a complimentary Christian, okay? Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. We started in uh, Philippians 4, so just back up a couple pages. Complimentary Christians are Christians that are confident. Now let me give you a quick definition of confident. Confident means they're reliable. They're dependable. A person that's confident is usually trustworthy. A person that's confident is usually somebody that is certain about things. They are undoubting, the dictionary says. They are undaunting. They are sure. Uh, there are so many people that are not sure of their salvation. But I hope you are. We have this confidence. We have this God confidence that he's going to take care of us. That's one of the definitions of confident. And so, in what areas then should we be confident? Well, letter A, we should be confident in our uplook. Confident in our uplook. By uplook, I mean, who is your hero? Who are you looking up to? Um, Monday and Tuesday, I was up in Detroit Lakes listening to my favorite professor. I look up to him. He's um, almost 80 years old. Uh, getting a sermon from him is like drinking a glass of water or drinking a, taking a drink out of a fire hydrant. He just he sends out so much stuff. And uh, even though he's not a Hebrew and a Greek scholar, he knows just where to introduce it and just where to put it in, and he's got energy for being 80 years old. He's a hero of mine. I look up to him. We need heroes. Um, we tried when, we're, when our girls were little to always make their pastor their hero. I uh, See, I haven't always been a pastor. I was a lay person and a deacon and a Sunday school teacher and a Christian school worker. I got about a dozen years before I even became a missionary pastor. But when our girls were little, we tried to let them know that the pastor wants to be your friend. The pastor needs a friend. He's lonely. And so we would uh, make a hero out of our pastor for the sake of our girls. And uh, that's good because they will go to those people that they look up to for advice and counsel one day. So you need to be confident in your uplook. You need to be confident in who your heroes are. You need to be confident because you have good habits. You need to be confident because you know where you're headed. You know, as, as fundamental Bible believers, we got an edge on the rest of the religious world because they don't have full assurance. In many churches, you got to be baptized and you don't have any assurance. If you don't speak in tongues, you don't have insurance, assurance. And, and there's so many false teachings out there that strip us of our confidence, but I know that I'm headed to heaven. And it sounds arrogant, but God said so, and it's his book, and he won't lie. So his book says that I'm heading to heaven, and, and that's confidence. And you want to be confident without being arrogant and foolish. Um, Paul was really trying to tell these believers that they can 
They can be joyful and they can be acceptable and they can be profitable if they have a confident uplook. Letter B, they need to be confident in their inlook. In their inlook. Did I, did I read Philippians 1.6? Let's read that. Sorry, I'm back up a little bit here. Are you there, class? Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Are you confident? Do you have a good uplook? Secondly, letter B, do you have a good inlook? Are your feelings, your focus, and your faith in check? Are you improving? Um, are you doing better with the word this year than last year? Are you doing better with your giving this year than last year? I hope you're not sliding down. I hope you're not backsliding. But I hope you're growing each year. And I believe we can grow and learn and develop until we hit the grave. Uh, there's no stopping this guy. I'm always learning stuff. Uh, one of the little girls that came to church early was telling me that without sunshine I would get sick. I kind of knew that, but she wanted me to learn something that she thought was special, so she uh, preached to me a little bit. I want to have, I want to feel good because of my relationship with the Lord. And I think others know when you're feeling good. I think they see it. Uh, they know when you're not feeling good. Uh, they know when your body language is telling them that you're upset. They know that. Uh, to be a complimentary Christian, we should do our dead level best to have good feelings, be properly focused, and be growing in our faith walk with the Lord. And when others see that in us, hopefully they'll want some of that. Um, because there's a lot of ruckus going on in the world. I was talking to somebody the other day. Oh, it was my new friend, Kevin. And Kevin said, he says, the, the whole country is really perturbed about things. Some political things they're perturbed about, some economical things they're perturbed about. Believers are needed. Believers are needed with a complementary outlook, a complementary inlook. And, uh, outlook is the third one there. Uplook was the first one. Inlook is the second one. And outlook is the third one, letter C. We need to be confident in our outlook. Do we have hope? Or are we hopeless? Do we know where to go when we get in trouble? Um, do we know where to, to get our help from? Sunday morning we were discussing the serious subject of suicide. And we said our help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Uh, a confident Christian knows where to go to get the help. A confident Christian has a has an outlook. He's, he's looking for places to serve. He's looking for things to do. Uh, my wife really, really misses her driver's license because of her uh, vision and other things. She's not able to drive. She'd love to have her driver's license because I think she'd volunteer to run the bus route. She really would. She just, she likes driving. But uh, she got to get that test out of the way. And uh, pastor's always looking for people to drive. And well, if I drove the bus, then Lynn would have to hopscotch through the woods to come to church. And, and uh, I don't mind driving the bus, but uh, the older I get, the more I'm, I know I'm not going to be able to, to drive all the time. But we're always looking for people who will serve because they have a good outlook. Okay? Uplook, inlook, and outlook. A confident Christian, a complimentary Christian.
is confidence. Let's go to the second one here. Go to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12. <coughs> Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12. And if you weren't here when I gave you the main points, the word in Roman numeral 2 is correct. A complimentary Christian is somebody that is correct. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Now, I know you know what the definition of correct is, but let me just give you what the dictionary says. Correct implies that you're accurate. Correct implies that you're right. When things are done correctly, a lot of times they're exact, they're precise. And most importantly, they're not wrong. In the olden days, people went to the slammer. Now they go to the correction center because they need to be taught how to do right. They've been doing wrong, they broke the law. Now they go to the correction center. The idea of being correct is to be, is to be right and not wrong. And a complimentary Christian is somebody that's correct. He's, he's right, he's precise, he's accurate. Letter A under Roman numeral two, he's correct, first of all, in his attitude. He has an attitude of acceptance. And I have to really struggle in this area because you and I are taught to hate sin and to stay away from sin but a lot of the people that we work with and a lot of the people that we rub, rub elbows with, they enjoy sinning. And we still have to maintain an accepting attitude despite their snooze chewing. My wife saw somebody put snooze in their mouth today. And she says, I don't know how, how people can do that. Well, we're all different. We're all different. And sometimes when you see somebody and he's holding a can of beer, uh, you, you still have to be accepting. Um, most people that I know uh, that have had smoking problems all their life, they, they want more to quit than I want to quit, than I want them to quit. They know that they're buying cancer. They know that they're shortening their life. They understand all that. I don't have to tell them that. The, the people that have been through divorce, they usually hate it more than I do. They've been through it. They've had to reschedule flights and they've had to put, run their kids to Milwaukee and their other kids to Den. I mean, they don't like that. I need to be accepting of all people. I need to have an accepting spirit in order to be complimentary so that people don't run from the church just because they're not exactly like me or like you. You know, the Lord teaches us that if we can get them to just love God's word, God can clean them up from the inside out. We just need to be loving and we need to be forthright. Not that we embrace sin and not that we encourage it, but we need to have an, an attitude of acceptance. Anybody in Brookings should be able to walk up, walk up to us and ask us a question about our hope, about our faith, and about our church. And we should be accepting enough to have a good answer for them and, and listen to them. Secondly, not only should we be correct in our attitude, 
but we need to be correct in our aroma. And we got that from our opening passage in Philippians 4.18, but what kind of a atmosphere does a complimentary Christian bring? Is it a sweet-smelling odor, as we read in Philippians 4.18, or is it another kind of an odor? Now, all of us have odors. And my, my wife reminds me when I have odors, but... I can, I'm one of those guys, you can put a blindfold on me and take me into a business and I can almost tell what kind of business it is just by smelling because there's an odor in there. A hospital has a unique odor. A locker room, a football locker room has a unique odor. Not a pleasant odor, but it's got an odor. All of us have an odor and, and our temperament and our Christianity should have the kind of aroma that causes others to want to be a part of us. Uh, so we should have a good sweet smelling aroma and it, it shouldn't be an aroma of selfishness. It's okay if it's an aroma of sweat. I mean, I'd rather be around a sweaty person that works hard than to be around a person who smells really, really nice, but they're a lazy bum, you know? Uh, I, I think our Aroma is either going to be of a selfish nature and a lazy nature, or it's going to be a sweet-smelling aroma. People are going to look up to us and respect us and honor us and like our position in the Lord because we're ambitious, an ambitious aroma that would fit. So we need to be correct in the attitude and the aroma. And then thirdly, we need to be correct in our action. Our actions should not drive people away. They should drive people in. I'll tell you a story that happened to me and I, my actions almost cost me a really good church member. We had a young fellow by the name of Ryan that was, we were trying to get to come to our church and Ryan was a big fellow, real large, real muscular. They nicknamed him the refrigerator. He liked to play football, he liked big projects. But Ryan also liked to have a ponytail. I mean, not a short one either, a nice ponytail. He wore a nice big leather jacket. He'd make a good bouncer. But he kept coming to church, and he kept coming to church with that ponytail. And uh, finally, one day, we had a preacher's meeting, and uh, three or four of us preachers were in the foyer of the church, and Ryan was out in the parking lot getting some Bibles out of his car. And one of the other preachers looked at me and said, who's that guy out there with the long hair? I said, well, that's my friend Ryan. I said, just be patient with him. He'll, he'll do just fine. Sooner or later, he'll get that haircut. I'll, I'll just work on the inside and let the Lord take care of the outside. But I no more than said that. And I turned around and Ryan's wife was right behind me. So she heard everything I said about Ryan's ponytail. So I swallowed kind of hard and I thought, uh-oh. Now I not only offended her because she's the wife, but she'll probably tell her husband about his ponytail and I don't know what I'm going to do then. So I thought, well, in the day that you make your mistake, the Bible says don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Try to fix it as quick as you can. So within a few hours, Ryan was back home. I called him up and I said, Ryan, I owe you an apology. And he said, why is that? And I said, well, one of the preachers was 
commenting about your hairstyle. And I told them that just be patient and sooner or later you'd, you'd correct that. And he says, well, why didn't you just ask me? He says, he says, I've been coming to church here for months. Nobody ever asked me to cut my hair. He says, why didn't you just say something? And I said, well, I, I didn't want to be pushy. I didn't want to lose you. But uh, he cut that ponytail off and come to church. He says, I feel so naked. He says, I don't have any hair. <laughs> don't have any hair left. It was kind of funny because he went to another pastor's house with us and they had a little 10-year-old boy. And the little 10-year-old boy or 8-year-old boy come up to Ryan and said, ponytails are for girls. <laughs> but Ryan, being a, being a likable daddy kind of a figure, he took it all in stride and never thought anything of it. But if I have gotten in trouble several times in the ministry, it's been primarily because of my actions as a gossip. I've gossiped about somebody, and it got back to them, and it hurt their feelings. And so I need to be very, very careful of my actions. So my actions don't drive people away because I don't want to do that. I came here to help the church grow and prosper. I didn't come here to hurt the church. And so I need to be careful that I have the right attitude. I'd rather have somebody with a good attitude than somebody who's totally accurate. Because if you're accurate with a lousy attitude, nobody listens to you. But if you're accurate with a good attitude, they will listen to you. I need to be correct in my aroma. I need, I need it not to be selfish, but to be sweet-smelling. I need to be correct in my actions. How do you correct yourself when you're around folks you don't agree with? Well, just I count to a thousand. Sometimes I got to count to two thousand. Sometimes I only have to count to ten. But I run into a lot of people that I don't agree with in the course of the week, and I'm sure you do too. But when when they're not agreeing with you, just be patient, bite your tongue, be polite, be kind, uh, correct yourself instead of them, and uh, lo and behold, next week they'll probably act a little different. They'll ask for your advice or they'll ask for your opinion because you had the proper action, the proper aroma, and the proper attitude. Still with me, class? Say amen. Okay, most of you are, most of you are still awake. Can we get sunburned today or sun? I got sun fatigue. I was in the sun all day today, and I feel like it. But Let's go to the last one. Uh, first one was Philippians 1.6, confident. The second one was Proverbs 3.12, correct. And the third one here is the word content. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. Paul writing here, if you give Paul credit for Hebrews, he said, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. A definition of contentment, if you were to go to the dictionary, content means that you're satisfied. Content means you're without want. I like this definition. Content means that you are full of gratitude. You are grateful for what you have. And it's very important to be content. I think the world is looking for content people. And I think if you're a content person, others are drawn to you. Content in three areas here. Letter A, content about your location. We need to bloom where we're planted. We don't have to always look for greener grasses. You know why the grasses are greener over there? 
because there's more manure on the feet on the pasture. There's more trouble over there. Don't, don't let it fool you. One time I seen a cartoon of two preachers crossing in a, in a hay field. One was coming from a huge church that was successful, had many thousand members, and he was tired of it, so he was running away. And the other one came from a small church and didn't have any members, so he was running away. And they passed, they crossed paths out in the middle of the pasture, out in the middle of the field. Both of them had not learned to be content where the Lord put them. I want to be content if there's two people in church, 20 people in church, or 200 in church. Now, naturally, I'd be a little happier if it were 200, but... You know, that's the way it is with us preachers. We have to learn contentment like everybody else, and we need to be content about our location. Are you happy where God has put you? Are you convinced that it's God's will that you're where you're at today? Are you constantly moving around looking for greener grasses? Second one is loot. Are you content about your loot? Do you have enough? Or do you always need more? Um, I'd be the first to confess that the first 10 years of our marriage, most of our arguments were over the checkbook. Most of our disagreements came from loot, filthy lucre. Maybe that's why it's called filthy lucre, because it causes so many headaches and so much turmoil. Well, at about 30, we lost everything. I mean everything. House, car, family was split up. Got up one morning, I had a nickel in my pocket. A nickel. The bank wouldn't load me any money because my truck was in hawk as far as they dared to put it in hawk. My house was in hawk. I couldn't put that any further in debt. I didn't have a job. It was just, it was miserable. I put a nickel down and I said, okay, Lord, prove yourself faithful. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the day. A couple hours later, the mail came by and somebody from Hibbing, Minnesota had sent us a $30 check. And then the next day, somebody else helped us. And the next day, got a job. And then, you know, just the Lord put it back together. Can you be as happy? How did Pastor Riley put it? Help me out here, Lynn. Can we be thankful... Oh, I'm not going to be able to remember this. The idea is that if you only thanked God for what you have today, how long would your prayer be? Something like something along that line. I'll, I'll have to write it down and bring it next time so I get it right. But the idea is, is that God has given you everything you have. And you could say thank you, thank you, thank you a million times and, and, not, and not cover what he gives you. He gives you your eyes, your ears, your health, your feet, your fingers, your brain, your heart. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. And we need to be content with the money that he lets us handle. Uh, most Americans have 95% of everything they need, and uh, they have more wealth than 90% of the rest of the world. Uh, most people don't get three meals a day. Most people don't have a car. Uh, most people do have a cell phone. But uh, a lot of places where people don't have a pillow on their bed, they don't have shoes on their feet. And here we are and this, the Lord has blessed America and we have all these things. And we should be happy with the amount of loot 
the Lord gives us. We should be happy with enough. Learn to be content. Whether it's poverty or whether it's riches, we should learn to be content. And then content about your likeness to Christ. Content about your likeness to Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verses 10 through 12. And this was a major goal of Paul's. It's a goal for his life. Philippians chapter 4. Come on, Philippians, where did you go to here? Here we go. Philippians 4, um, starting in verse 10. Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul says, I know both how to be abased, and I know how to be successful and prosper, and, and I know how to be abased, to be made low, and I know how to abound, to be prosperous. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And uh, Paul had an attitude of contentment. And that attitude came because he had confidence in the Lord and it came because he was correct. He was right about the way he was living. And in John 17, John 17, as we wrap this up, verse number four, we see the high priestly prayer of Jesus here. And he says in verse number four, the, the son Jesus says, to the Father, he says, I have glorified, he's praying to his, his heavenly Father, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. That was, what he, that was his goal on, on earth, was to glorify God. And he says, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, if Paul and Jesus were confident, correct, and content in what they did for their heavenly Father and for the Lord, then it's the least you and I can do as well. And that is to strive to have a attitude that reflects the Lord's goodness. If you grab a songbook, find a songbook by you, flip over to 448, and maybe this can be your prayer on your drive home tonight. Because a lot of the hymns are good prayer requests. Am I still okay up back there, Caleb? My machinery fell off here. You still got me? Okay. What number did I say? 448? Don't worry, I'm not going to make you sing. This isn't prime timers. In prime timers, we sing, by the way. If there's at least 10 or 11 of us, we, we have a fun time singing. This is a good song, and it should be a prayer of ours. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. I think we sang this on Sunday morning, either last Sunday or the Sunday before. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving and forgiving, tender and kind, helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find. 
Verse 3, O to be like thee, lowly in spirit, holy and harmless, patient and brave, meekly enduring, cruel reproaches, willing to suffer, others to save. Verse 4, O to be like thee, Lord, I am coming now to receive the anointing divine. All that I am and have I am bringing. Lord, from this moment, all shall be thine. And then the last verse, O to be like thee, while I am pleading, pour out thy spirit, fill me, fill with thy love. Make me a temple, meet for thy dwelling. Fit me for life in heaven above. And then the chorus, O to be like thee, O to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. The psalmist, the songwriter, Thomas Old Chisholm, was saying, make me a complimentary Christian so I can live for you while I'm on planet Earth. And I hope that's your prayer because it's certainly mine. I don't always succeed and I don't always, I just love this technology. How many of you like technology? I'll take this thing right here and I'll let it go flying. Now oh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Let's stand and have a word of prayer.